Are you in perimenopause or menopause and have questions? My co-host Andrea Donsky has a podcast called Menopause Reimagined, where she answers your questions about this phase of life. So stay tuned at the end where I will share five minutes of her amazing podcast and there will be a link in the show notes where you can go and listen to the whole episode. Andrea is brilliant and she has worked so hard and knows her stuff. So be sure to check out Menopause Reimagined after this episode of Health Power. Thanks. I have tried so many skin and hair care products. I can't even tell you. It's, it's insane. I mean, at one point... The closet in my bathroom was full with every imaginable product. And then I found what works, and that is OneEarthBodyCare.com. I am in love with their shampoo and conditioner bars. Completely changed the game for my daughter, who had a hard time finding a good shampoo and conditioner for her hair. Their face and body is amazing. I love their day and night oil. All natural ingredients, of course, and all of this. Essential oils, really great stuff. And of course, the deodorant has changed my life because I am no longer smelly. So go check them out now at OneEarthBodyCare.com. Hello, so glad you're here. I am so excited because Dr. Kulreet Chaudhry is incredible and she's going to be having a regular segment here talking about Ayurveda. And today we're going to be talking about applying Ayurveda to the modern lifestyle. Dr. Kulreet Chaudhry, MD, is a neurologist, neuroscientist, and an internationally recognized expert in the ancient practice of Ayurvedic medicine. As I mentioned, she is the author of The Prime and Sound Medicine. She's a pioneer in the field of integrative medicine and is a highly sought-after speaker, researcher, and advisor for Healthy Directions. She is a former director of Wellspring Health in Scripps Memorial Hospital, where she successfully combined conventional treatments with Ayurvedic practices of detoxification, diet, and lifestyle management to help patients effectively manage chronic neurological disorders such as multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and migraine headaches. Her program was so successful that it is now used for a wide range of health concerns, including weight issues and chronic disease. Dr. Chaudhry, welcome back. Thank you. Now, we've talked a lot about... Food. Mm -hmm. So for people who missed the interviews, go back, but don't go now. <laughs> what are some other things that the three doshas should do? Are there yeah. different types of exercises, movements, meditations, yeah. emotional processing? What Tell us what's going on. So in Ayurveda, we call that the dinacharya. It's the daily routine. So it's very prescriptive. Um, and it's prescriptive because we're circadian beings, meaning we respond to nature's cycles. And what cracks me up, Lisa, is whenever I hear of some new trend where everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is really working. And it's essentially just putting you in sync with your natural cycle. And, you know, people go like, have you heard of, like in, when intermittent fasting came out, I'm like, yes, in Ayurveda, we call that eating. We don't call it intermittent fasting. <laughs> we call that eating. Um, you know, and the recommendations are essentially like you only eat when the sun is out. And the older you get, and it's usually by the time you hit 40, you're down to about two meals a day because that's really all that your body needs. Meaning, you know, you're eating less food in a smaller amount of time, which is intermittent fasting. Um, and so another thing that came up recently was sleep syncing. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's the same thing. It's basically syncing up your sleep cycle with exactly what you should be doing. So when I heard about this, I was like, sleep syncing is just what we call sleeping. I'm really religious about sleep. Everyone knows who listens. I go to bed at 830 every mm -hmm. night. 
and my Pitbull Blue wakes me up between 4.30 and 5.30. Yeah, that's perfect. So then that I get enough sleep. But what is sleep thinking? It's is basically that-, that. It means when, once again, you know, the, when the, the sun is such an important... It's a, such an important point for us in terms of our daily schedule. We're really ruled by the sun. And so in Ayurveda, you have your largest meal at lunchtime when the sun is strongest because that's when your own digestion is the strongest. And you essentially go to sleep with the sun, wake up with the sun. And that's what's now called sleep sinking, which oh, again is yeah, just called sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do. (laughs) You know, which is like as it gets dark. For me, it's like I'm asleep by nine and same. I wake up around four, four thirty, and there's no alarm or anything. It's just that's when I'm tired and that's when I wake up. Um, and so those are just the Ayurvedic cycles. And if you can get your just your sleep and your eating cycle synced up to those two things, to those recommendations, to the natural rhythms of the sun. Um, that right there, I feel like is like 50% of the journey, honestly, because it's so much work to be out of sync with the sun because it's just, it's a ruling body over our planet. It rules so much. I mean, it, it, it rules life. You know, if the sun started throwing off even just a little bit of what it would do, like all of our plant life, all of our animal life would be immediately impacted. And so if people could just follow those recommendations, when to have your largest meal, you know, and when to be eating, you know, largest meal at lunch, eat when the sun is out and go to sleep, essentially as it becomes, you know, dark, like 8.30 or 9, and then wake up before 6 a.m. That's a general recommendation. And depending on your dosha, you know, vata needs a little more sleep. Pitta needs like moderate amount, seven to eight hours. Usually it's fine. Kapha needs the least amount of sleep. And so, you know, because it's naturally heavy. Um, and so it doesn't need kind of like the heaviness that sleep brings in. And so if you can follow those recommendations, then when you do the second part, the dietary parts, it's really, really easy, actually, because you're already synced up with like how your body performs, you know, at its at its peak. And so once you're doing that, it's really easy to add in the other Ayurvedic recommendations, which is, you know, essentially like when you get up in the morning, you know, to do oil pulling, like before brushing your teeth, and then to set some time in the morning to do a little bit of yoga, and then do your meditation, like start your morning, start your day with that set point, where you're grounded, you're embodied, you're starting in a stable place, a mentally stable and physically stable place, like that should be your platform for the day. And then, you know, you're active as we all are, and then you stop for lunch. And then right around between two to six is when we have the natural energy dip because that's Vata hour. So there's different hours of the day. And so I'll talk a little bit about that. But two to six is a natural dip in the day. And so instead of going against that dip by eating something like sugary or popping an energy drink or drinking a coffee, you know, honor that, oh, this is my natural dip time. And so maybe add in a second meditation at that time, you'll notice that you're rejuvenated. Or if you have a really strong sweet craving, and you're predominantly vata, or you have mostly pitta, have a healthy sweet, like, you know, have like dates at that time, eat some raisins, or if you're kapha, and you don't really need that excess sugar, Throw a cardamom pod, one of those little green cardamom pods, because it has a sweet taste mm. and it'll it'll curb the sweet, you know, craving. 
So just honoring like the different times of the days. And so exercise should be done during like the kapha hour. So let me go over the kind of the Ayurvedic clock. Generally, sure. this is like generally what it looks like. Now, before you do that, I just have one question. Yeah. So what if you get up in the morning? Yeah. The first thing you do, unfortunately, is follow your dogs outside yeah. and pick up their poop. Then I'm helping my daughter get out the door. Then I'm driving carpool some days and some days. I still have to drive the carpool spot. Could I do the meditation and the stretching after? Because it's kind of like a boom, 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 I got to get out the door. Or is that going to screw things up? It's never going to, doing meditation is never going to screw anything up. It's just a matter of, you know, and, and I understand that we all have our priorities. And what's interesting is when our consciousness shifts, we have different priorities. So just keep that in mind. Whatever sure. feels like a priority now, it shifts when your mind and your consciousness shifts, right? Yeah. It's just that when you do something at the time of the day where it supports it the most, you just get more out of it. So look at it like investing. You could invest whenever you want. Sure. Right? But if you're investing when it's really, really low right? You're going to get more, like when the prices are really low, you're going to get more out of it, right? Because it's only going to go up. And right. so when you meditate in those quietest times, like when the birds are chirping and everything else, you are basically absorbing the strongest energy on the planet at that time that supports meditation. It's the quietest time. You know, it's a time when the earth is waking up and it has a special energy to it. And so there's been times where, you know, it's it's rare because I'm pretty regular with my meditation routine, but there's been times where something unusual happened. I had to me meditate later. It was just, it's not like, oh, I didn't get anything out of my meditation. My mind was racing later on. It just wasn't the same meditation. I wasn't synced up to the planet in the same way. So it's not like I would choose not to meditate. I would still meditate, but it's it's clearly... I wasn't getting the same benefits because I'm just synced into the planetary rhythms. And so what I would suggest is, you know, try to even, if you can, like just get up 10 minutes earlier and do a 10 minute, 10 minute meditation and then go pick up the poop. Because oftentimes, as important as we think something is, if something really significant happens where we have to miss it, you're like, oh, life went on. Right. Yeah. And you know, my husband, I mean, he's unbelievable. He gets up at 4.15 every day. He goes to bed at 8.15. I mean, he wakes up at 4.15 every day to do his meditation. Yes, because he's getting so much out of it, which is also why he's able to eat pretty much anything he wants. That's right. <laughs> when you get that deep meditation, it resets your body in a way that has such a direct impact on your digestion. Because, you know, in Ayurveda, we always talk about the gut-brain connection as the key for health, and it goes both ways. But that's how I'd approach it is just do 10 minutes of meditation. But you may just notice that oftentimes the things that we think are priority are the things that bother us. They're not real priorities. I'm not saying getting your daughter to school isn't a priority, but like maybe the dog poop could wait even 10 minutes. Because honestly, if something critical happened, it would have to wait, what, hours? And nothing bad would have happened in your life had that occurred, right? Right. And maybe just those 10 minutes of meditation would be the equivalent of an hour's meditation later on. You see what I'm saying? And you go, whoa, that was like 10 minutes versus an hour later on of really profound, deep meditation. Like that was worth it. So there's different times of the day when it's optimal to do certain activities. And it has to do with the fact that there's dosha hours of the day. Now, these are general. It varies a little bit, like depending on where you live, because the length of the sun, you know, daytime is, is varies. But generally between 
2 to 6 a.m. and 2 to 6 p.m. is Vata hour. And that's why meditation anytime during those hours is just, it's it's prime meditation. The closer you get to 2 a.m., not that I'm telling people to wake up at 2 a.m., just letting you know that like once Vata hour starts, your meditation is deeper, period. You know, you will always have the best meditation. It's also the worst time to exercise because Vata is not really great at sustaining physical activity. From 6 to 10 is Kapha hour, both 6 to 10 a.m. and 6 to 10 p.m., which means best time to exercise, worst time to eat anything really heavy, okay? So, you know, eating like late at night during Kapha hour when that's, Kapha promotes weight gain, right? And so you're just going against like what your body wants to be doing. Now, Kapha though has amazing deep sleep. So if you go to sleep during those hours, that's why I always say go to bed before 10 p.m., you will have much deeper sleep. And then Pitta hour is from 10 to 2 a.m. and p.m. Um, and so that's why lunch is when you eat your biggest meal because your digestion, which is fueled by Pitta, is at its peak. Now, there's a second Pitta that happens at night at that same time from 10 to 2, which if you're awake, you'll get your second wind. And people think like, oh, I have all this creative energy. I'm like, no, you don't. It's all the energy that was supposed to be for healing the metabolism, the regeneration, the detoxification of the body now went to your mind. It's not actually creative. Well, it is creative, but it was creative for creating new cells, for regenerating the body. It was not for mental activity. But if you're awake past 10, that energy will go into the mind and you think you're being creative. And oftentimes the next morning you're like, huh, I don't really know why I thought that was such a great idea. Or even if you did have like a great creative moment, you took energy away from your body. How long can you keep stealing from your body before the mind shuts down? Right. You know what happens to me is I'm I'm very strict on my sleep window. And if I miss it and it's like between 930 and 10, I guess past 10, I'm screwed. Yes. So that's because you're predominantly Pitta. A couple of years ago, my daughter, yeah, my daughter was in the school musical and we went every single night and I was around. It was worth it, but I don't do that. I'm very, that's why, see, I'm so glad you explained this because people don't get it. They're like, let's go out to dinner at eight. I'm like, no, I'm going to bed. Yes. No, I I totally appreciate that. And (laughs) I never understood why I would just be up all of a sudden when at 830, I'm tired and ready to go to sleep. No, that's what it is. Because you're in sync. You're actually in sync. And you're also predominantly Pitta. So those Pitta hours are going to hit you pretty strong too. Right. Drinking aloe vera daily is a great way to help your digestion and naturally balance your stomach acidity. Yes, you heard that right. You should drink your aloe. Our wonderful partners, Lily of the Desert, have been making the highest quality aloe vera products since 1971. When you drink their aloe daily, you can not only support your gut health, but it is clinically proven to boost your immune system, reduce toxins that prohibit nutrient absorption, increase your daily supplement absorption, and improve antioxidant support. Lily of the Desert's aloe juice and gels are the perfect addition to your favorite smoothie, or you can mix it with another juice. The aloe will help boost the nutrient absorption of those good-for-you ingredients. We love that they grow the aloe organically and from fields to bottle and oversee all processing and manufacturing to help maintain quality and lower costs. They offer a full range of products, including USDA organic aloe juices and gels, condition-specific herbal formulas, and of course, aloe topicals for your glowing skin. Check them out at your favorite local health food store or on Amazon, or you can visit lilyofthedesert.com to learn more. And we should mention that 
because in other interviews, I thought I was Kafa. What was the other one? Pitta. Pitta. Oh, but yeah. I'm just mostly Pitta. You're Pitta. Yeah, we were talking about you. You actually, saw a look at me. Yeah, you got all up and me. I was like, I saw all of you. <laughs> and it was looking good. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're not actually Pitta Kafa. You're swollen Pitta. Which is just pitta with fake fat, and and fake fat is just water. It's just inflammatory water, which a lot of pitta individuals get. Which I was telling you, I've had that. I'm like, oh, I know what it feels like to be swollen pitta, because when I was going through my hormonal changes, you know, my I had pitta imbalance, which is really common for a lot of women during that, and I was holding fluid like I was a camel in a desert. Like you know, my body would not let go of water. It was driving me nuts. Um, and I just swelled up everywhere and it's so uncomfortable. And, you know, you said something really important because you said it's not about the weight. I'm like, no, it feels so uncomfortable. You feel like you're boiling in some kind of like toxic stew that you can't get out of your body. So I really get it. Well, I had lymphedema in my ankle recently. Yes, that's Pitta. That's that's the fluid of And pitta. I was shocked. I'm like, what am I, 85? But part no. of it was because... I couldn't, it's a long story, but I, I had this procedure and I couldn't exercise for a month. And I thought it was just because of that. And my ankles well, are still kind of Yeah, well, exercise will move that fluid out, but it still won't get rid of it. So understanding this Ayurvedic daily routine cycle, it helps you sync up your activities to support all three doshas, because all three doshas live in our bodies. It's just one or two will become predominant. Right. But like when I see people who are predominantly pitta who are doing their main exercise in the middle of the day right? And skipping lunch. And then they're wondering why they have headaches, why they have inflammation and why they're not losing weight. And I'm like, why would you be losing weight doing what you're doing? Like, it's the absolute worst thing to be doing. And so the Dinacharya, the Ayurvedic daily routine is just helping you to sync up with yourself, like with, with your natural cycles and taking advantage of each of the hours of the day, so that you're 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 doing like oh this is the best time possible to be doing this. It's really just investing in life like you would in the stock market. This is the best time to put your money in. This is the best time to put your resources in in this particular day, time of the day. Twice a week I do Pilates and weights, and mm-hmm. I do it at ten thirty in the morning and at nine thirty. That's good for Pitta, right? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I would you know here's the thing: when you're off by like thirty minutes, I'm not gonna like be like oh my god, no, that's rocking the boat, you know. Um, like if you could get it in just like earlier, you know, when it's really deeply in cough hour, you're just going to get more out of it, you know, but Pilates and weights are really good exercises for Pitta. Those are some of the exercises I recommend for Pitta. They get overheated. And so if they do highly competitive things with, um, too much like strain, it'll wear them out. It'll actually do the opposite. It'll increase inflammation. One of my Pitta patients used to um, run 10 miles a day. And I was like, we cut it in half and he lost weight. And he's like, how is this possible? I'm like, it was all inflammatory weight. You were just pushing the inflammation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just understanding those things. Now I walk my dogs usually around one or two just because of my schedule. Mm -hmm. Is that a big deal? That's not going to break the boat. No. I mean, I don't want you to look at it as like, you know, first of all, that's a leisurely walk. That's different. And so I would actually recommend a leisurely walk after lunch. 
So that's perfect. Um, but you know, like for Vata individuals, we would recommend like yoga, something not too strenuous, definitely during Kapha hour. And like for Kapha individuals, definitely be exercising during Kapha hour, but something rigorous. It's not the leisurely walking your dog in the middle of the day. It's, it's more of like when you do the extreme, like you're doing, you know, you're running hard in the middle of the day and you're pitta and you're skipping lunch. That's a disaster. And I can't tell you how many of my Pitta patients do that because they think they're like optimizing their time and really getting their workout in and they're sacrificing lunch, which is like one of the worst things you can do for a Pitta individual. So it's just understanding these nuances so that you just, you get the blueprint of how to run, run this body and run this mind. Where do people get that? You mentioned the name of it, the the calendar that you're talking about. The Dinacharya. It's just, um, yeah, you, you know, you have to go to India and we have it in this sacred text. <laughs> <laughs> you had me going for a second. I know, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go get it. No, I wrote an article on Dinacharya, how to approach the daily routine. If you even just look, you know, and I'll try to see, Lisa, if I can give you the, get you the link or something for that article. Um, but, you know, if you just look up Ayurvedic daily routine, it's not like I made this up. It's not like any of us made this up. You know, it's, it's there. It's a fixed thing. It's been fixed for 5,000 plus years. <laughs> So if you just even look up, you know, the Ayurvedic daily routine, it outlines it. And what I tell people is when you first look at it, well, you're, you'd be a great student for this, Lisa, because you're already synced up. Once you can sync up your meals and your sleep, everything else is super easy, honestly. Oh, good. But when you first look at this, like people might be like really overwhelmed. And I'm like, just do one thing at a time. Like when I first looked at this, when as a patient, I looked at my Ayurvedic practitioner and I'm like, are you high? Like, I'm a mom, I'm a doctor, I'm a wife. Like, I'm like, who lives like this? You know, and then now it's been over 20 years since I got that recommendation and I pretty much do everything, but I did it slowly, like a little at a time. I started adding it in and everything that I added in just made me more efficient. And that's what I learned is by the end of it, I had more time, not less time. I had more energy, not less energy that the more I did that was in alignment with my natural rhythms. And it's not like it's perfect, but I do it again, like 90% of the time. The more that I do that's in alignment with my natural rhythms, the easier it is to live here on planet Earth in this body. I think you're amazing. And how do people find you in the meantime? So Dr. K. Chaudhary is the webpage that has um, a lot of the articles and, and information that I'm talking about and all the articles that I write on Ayurveda. And then my direct website, Dr. Kulreet Chaudhary, tells you about the programs and things that I'm doing. All right. Well, this has been so great. I learned so much. Oh my gosh. I'm just, my mind is, well, you're I can't a natural I'm a, student. You're well, it's pretty easy. Sweet. Well, I can't believe I'm a Pitta. I'm just like <laughs> my mind. I'm going to go look up. Your hair is Pitta. Your eyes are Pitta. Your face is Pitta. Like you have all the classic Pitta features, but you're a swollen Pitta and I get it. That's the, it's the most uncomfortable way to be a Pitta because it's a fun dosha otherwise, you know? I know. It's spunky, it's smart, it's engaged, it's energetic. It's a fun dosha, but man, not when it's swollen. <laughs> See, I always thought because I wasn't thin anymore that I couldn't possibly be a pitta. No, you're just a swollen pitta. I really get it. I, I was a swollen pitta in my early 40s. I really get it. Swollen pitta, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go Google that. Everybody keep coming back to Health Power and be sure to check out Dog Eared as well. Thanks so much. Rate, review, subscribe. Once you have had a wonderful dog, a life without one is a life diminished. 
That's a quote by author Dean Coots, and I couldn't agree more. I want my wonderful dogs to live as long as possible, and what they eat plays a huge role in their health and longevity. Kibble is full of seed oils that wreak havoc on our dog's health. They damage their microbiome, which affects digestion, oral health, their skin and coat, and more. And that's why I feed my dog, Benji, Yumwoof. Their air-dried food is GMO-free and has an inflammation-reducing recipe with omega-3 and coconut oil. It's all the benefits of fresh food without the fridge, carbs, fillers, seed oils, and other inflammatory ingredients you see in other brands. Yum Woof obsessively crafted a healthy, low-carb food with humanely raised USDA meat, eggs, and other non-GMO superfoods that my dog loves. Try the number one air-dried dog food for gut health for 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. That's 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. Go to www.yumwoof.com. That's www.yumwoof.com. You and your dog will be so glad you did. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrea Donsky, co-founder of Morphous. And today I am here with the amazing Julie Daniluk. And Julie is going to do a quick intro of herself. And we're going to be talking about a really important topic when it comes to perimenopause and menopause. We're talking heart health. So Julie, take it away. Introduce yourself. Oh, well, thank you. I uh, just absolutely love nutrition. I've been an anti-inflammatory nutritionist for well over a decade and have been in love with teaching nutrition for 20 years and have been really delving into the topic of hormonal balance as of late, you know, entering into that change of life mm. and trying to do it as gracefully as possible. Embracing your change, like you're saying, <laughs> yeah, right? Embracing your change. Yes. So Julie, so I've known Julie for a really long time. As she said, she is a nutritionist colleague and I have tons of respect for you. So Aww. I'm really happy to have you on our show today Thank because you. we're going to talk about heart health. And one of the things, and I know Julie, you have an amazing, well, amazing yet scary story that yes. you're going to share with all of us. And I think we should start there because I want to understand why did you decide to write a book on hormones, people in men- women in menopause and heart health? Well, I actually was prescribed bioidentical estrogen, as so many ladies Mm, are, when our hormones start to dip by a naturopathic doctor. And I went ahead and said, okay, this will be wonderful. I'll avoid all those pitfalls of having dipping estrogen. You know, I thought it'll strengthen my bones. It'll keep my skin nice. It'll prevent any hot flashes. What a great idea. So I went ahead and took it. And within a few months, I was just flying a big long haul flight from the West Coast to Montreal, and I ended up having a actual heart incident, Mm. which they may think was a hormonal heart attack. Mm. Now, the reason why I can't know is because I was so healthy at the time that my husband said to me, you couldn't possibly be having a heart attack, (laughs) even though I was having uh, the these head spins. I was not able to see the floor. I was having profound heart palpitations. Mm. I was incredibly weak. I had teeth chattering. I was having joint pain in my left shoulder. I was having all these symptoms. Wow. I said to him, I feel like it could be a heart attack because I'm scared I won't wake up. And he oh said, oh, Julie, you, you're fine. Let's just tuck you in. You'll be okay. Did he say it was anxiety? Or he, well, I don't else? have anxiety, so I knew it couldn't be that. 
Wow. So then I I went to bed really scared, and when I woke up, I noticed my heart just wasn't able to recalibrate and get back. So I finally got an appointment with a doctor, and he said, "Oh, we'll probably find on your stress test that we we just knock it up to some stress, right? Anxiety, See, exactly, it's, it's right? That's such a common thing that women yeah. are just not really validated as having potential heart, heart issues, yes. especially when you're young and fit and healthy. Can we just? I'm going to ask yeah, you if you're sure. okay to share how old you are because I do think that's an sure. important an important question. I'm 49 and a half. 49 and a half. Okay. So I'm about to hit 50 and very much uh, going through the change right now and I can't believe how he looked at me and he said, "I'm sorry to report, but I think you may have had a scad." And I'm like, "What's a scad?" Yeah. That is a is a sudden coronary artery dissection. Okay. Uh, otherwise known as a hormonal heart attack. Okay. And what's interesting is that 80% of SCAD sufferers are women who've had a severe hormonal flux, like I would have had when I went on bioidentical, bioidentical. estrogen. Wow. So when you have these big swings in your hormones, it can actually affect the lining of your blood vessels, and you can have an unfortunate tear or dissection where you have this dreadful amount of blood accumulate in that space and creates a blood clot. And I so happen to carry factor five Leiden, which is that dreadful gene uh, responsible for extra blood clotting. And both of us carry mm-hmm. the gene where I, I'm sorry for outing you, but we both carry the gene that makes us unable to metabolize estrogen properly. So unfortunately, for most women, hormone replacement might be a huge godsend for them. But if you're amongst the one-tenth of women who do not metabolize estrogen correctly, watch out taking estrogen, even bioidentical estrogen, Mm. because you do not have the capacity to break it down to the right metabolites and get rid of it. And when you have elevated levels of estrogen, you're putting yourself at risk for higher blood clots. Mm -hmm. So that's what's so scary about this. I have like the shivers, even though it's not cold in here. Because to talk about this topic roused me up. Mm-hmm. Women need to know that the hormone replacement therapy is not a blanket solution. It's not even bioidentical. Not even and, not even bioidentical. And a lot and being in the natural health space and having been in yeah. this space for twenty years, a lot of natural practitioners will recommend bioidentical hormones. Yes. And the thing that's important, and I, I love that we're talking about this, is because we know, you know, HRT, we know that the, you know, a lot of the medical community doesn't endorse it because of the women's health study, the women's health initiative, yes. right? Where it and I guess you could talk to the stats of some of the things that it could cause, but the bioidentical hormone, that it's not as well known and mm-hmm. as well known to cause issues. And I know myself, I was on progesterone and bioidentical hormones for a long time. And when I had my genetic testing, which you can go and see the interview we did with Mansur Mohammed from the DNA company. Amazing. Brilliant man. We will link to it below. And we'll also put something at the end of this video so you can link, you can click on that as well. And he was explaining that it's not for everybody because everybody has different genetics. So when I met Mansoor, he had said to me, Andrea, if you're on any type of hormone replacement or bioidentical, you have to come off it now because you have the gene that doesn't metabolize estrogen properly. Yes. So it's really important that we get our genetics tested, ladies. And again, we will put a link below if you're interested in getting your hormone test. The DNA company has a specific test. It's for their female hormones that you can get. And we have a special code for you. So you can link below. If you so happen to carry the SIP, the SIP 
1B1CG variant. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> you won't be taking any estrogen. Um, but it is scary that 60% of women on HR, sorry, you increase your risk of having a hormonal incident, a hormonal related heart attack, whether it be stroke or heart attack, by 60%. Wow. If you go on HRT. So if you have the genetic variant or just in general? In general, mm, women on wow. HRT increase their risk of having a heart attack or stroke by 60%. Wow. So we really want to make sure to protect you and give you lots of things that will help to naturally thin your blood, naturally support your arteries, yeah. naturally reduce inflammation so that you're prepared. And that's why I created the book, Healing the Hormonal Heart, so that women had all the data, all the testing, mm. all their options presented in front of them so that they can make a wise decision for themselves. Now, let's talk about, let's go back to the foundation of why do women take HRT or BHRT? Well, they take it because they feel that they don't want to hit the wall. Let's face it, our mothers often would hit a wall. They would, they would go from young and vibrant and positive to feeling irritable and having horrible hot flashes and being unbelievably sad and feeling gutted by the Sounds change. Sounds like a lot of the signs and symptoms that we, we came up with 61 of them, by the way, <laughs> and we're counting. So if yeah. any of you have other symptoms and signs of being in perimenopause or menopause, please leave a comment <laughs> below because yeah. we're collecting them. Yeah. But it sounds like the signs and symptoms of being at this point of our life. Yeah, exactly. So, so just to say you do not need to hit the wall that way. And let's remember in parts of Asia and Africa, women go through the change and they don't even have a word for menopause because they transition so gradually mm. and naturally because their adrenals take over for their ovaries and there's a nice smooth transition. So I believe that if we can nourish our adrenals, mm. then we don't have to have profound hot flashes. And that's why I'm so excited about all the work I'm doing with yoga and restorative mm. practices and, and adaptogens, which mm -hmm. no doubt oh, you're going to get into huge. Healthy ashwagandha, I mean, rhodiola, they're amazing, the adaptogenic herbs, which and helps they've helped me so much yeah. that I am virtually hot flash free without being on bioidentical estrogen and yeah. you know one thing they don't talk about bioidentical estrogen and progesterone is damn expensive these creams that you put on they can cost hundreds of dollars a month oh, really? and they were not making me feel any better they were actually making me more irritable which was shocking to me i found i feel like myself now mm. that i'm just using completely natural, natural remedies and nutrition to heal my hormonal imbalance. So, so many questions that I have that I want to pick up on the little things that you said. So let's start with the adrenals. Yes. So as, I mean, we're in a society where we have a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and mm. we're running ragged and we're always in that sympathetic state where we're kind of trying to cat, you know, catch our tails. And one of the things that I know that you just talked about is that when, so our adrenals, Mm -hmm. take over for our ovaries when we enter into menopause. Yes. And if our, we enter into menopause with those exhausted adrenals, which by the way, 99.9% of us have. <laughs> I mean, hello. Like, it's a modern know, life. Yeah. You know, it's a modern yeah. life. So a lot of us enter into menopause already with those fatigued adrenals, adrenal yes. fatigue. So yes. what are some of the things that we could do? So let's say people who are watching who aren't in menopause yet, maybe they're in menopause, maybe they're a little bit, they're kind of in their the early, 40, yeah, yeah. early 40s, perimenopause. Are there things that they can do now at that yes. stage to help nourish their adrenals? I absolutely want everyone to double down on dark leafy green veggies to provide lots of vitamin B6, 
lots of avocados. That's the good news. We all get more guacamole. <laughs> Yay, Very good. Vitamin B, yeah, vitamin yeah. B6 is, is a spectacular thing to uh, take. And also vitamin B5 for nourishing adrenals. And as you, you spoke to ashwagandha, there's a beautiful array. What I love about um, adaptogens is there's one in pretty much every part of the world, whether it be Siberian ginseng, mm-hmm. whether it be, um, goodness, there's, there's so many good ones. I love the, I love uh, another one besides ashwagandha. Tulsi. Tulsi, Rodeola. yeah. Yeah, I love yeah, them. so many of them. There's so many good ones. And there's one from Asia that's on the tip of my tongue. And I, I know it's coming back to me. But we want to embrace adaptogens because they help you adapt to the level of stress that you're going through. I love that the, the, the actual essence, the meaning of the word is right there in the mm, title. Yes. Adaptogen means you, you really adapt. Helps and us cope better. Exactly. With stress. Exactly. Which is really what's happening when women are getting irritable is our fuse is shortened mm. when our hormones are kind of dampening down. When we don't have as much of the progesterone and estrogen, we start to feel like we yeah. can't cope. And unfortunately, your sleep. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.